Brown is a DJ part-time, and um, so he's going to, you know, play a few of his uh, songs for us as well. That's not true. Um, but Mike is, um, you know, apart from Jesus, Mike is the reason I'm in YWAM. So I'll explain that. Uh, Mike came to, uh, came to Denmark about um, six years ago, I think, for the first time, maybe five and a half years ago, four and a half years ago for the second time. And um, Thomas knows Mike as well. And Thomas and I were both at this YWAM camp that uh, Mike was speaking at. Uh, and, um, you know, Mike was this, you know, super cool YWAM dude from America. And I just looked up to him a whole lot. But, you know, throughout this week, I was at this camp and, and Mike just kind of came to me and had some had a word from the Lord, uh, you know, that he brought to me and just really encouraged me. Um, and I think was one of the one of the first people in a long time who just kind of you know saw something in me, saw what God had put in me, and just kind of called it out and said, "Hey, bro, you you know you're called to <clears throat> you're called to do something more than what you're doing, you know." And so he challenged me, and he challenged Thomas's brother Marcus to come do a DTS in Kona. So we were actually I hate to say this we were actually going to do Awaken DTS. I, I know. <laughs> I feel a little bit like a Judas, but then again, you know, like I did engage DTS and not awaken. So, but I came here four years ago, uh, basically because Mike just encouraged me and, uh, and just said, Hey bro, why don't you come out here and we'll do life together a bit and just run after Jesus together. So, you know, Mike and I have grown closer friends, but he's just an amazing Bible teacher and, um, you know, teaches on a bunch of different things, just not just here, but kind of all over the world. And, um, we had him in last year, and he just kind of taught us, you know, how do we get into the Word? How do we stay there? How do, how do we sustain our love for Jesus? And um, the, the response was just amazing. And I think he just has this ability to make stuff really practical, really easy to understand. And so we decided we'd love to have him back in this year. And so every Monday afternoon, 1 to 2.30 or so, uh, Mike's going to be with us and uh, and just kind of take us through the Bible. And we're just going to get to know the Lord more, and get to know him better. So does that sound good? That's going to be so fun. So I'm just going <laughs> to, it does sound great. I'm just going to pray for you, Mike, pray for our time together. So if you guys just want to pray with me, Jesus, we just welcome your spirit. Uh, we thank you so much for all that you've done this morning. Thank you for showing up and for speaking to us and for drawing us near. And we just say this afternoon, Father, that we're drawing near to you. In this, in this tent of meeting, we just welcome you. We want, we want to meet with you. We want you to come. And uh, so I pray for Mike, Father, that you would speak through him. That you, you would lead these times and that you would um, just open our eyes to see more of who you are. Yeah, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is Mike Brown, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Marco. Hey, can I get your help for a little bit? Um, so I found this tape, but it doesn't have a thing. It's broken, yeah. And then you could just put these up high, like one, but needs room to open, but leave it closed. And then two, and then three. So <clears throat> you got that, right? One, and then two, and then three, Marco? Great. Okay. Hi. Good uh, afternoon. How are you guys? Good. Um, my name's Mike, and I'm stoked to be here with you guys. And um, there's a lot of ladies in here. <laughs> wow. Um, who are students that are men? Five? Five. Come on, guys. Yes. Yeah. Um, so cool. I apologize for um, stepping in here a little late, being a little disorganized. It was like a prophetic game trying to find you guys. Um, your class is always in a specific tent. And so I went to that tent, and it's the crossroads. I was like, uh, where are you guys? <laughs> So I literally, I found a friend. I was like, do you know where the engaged DTS is? And they're like, yeah, we're driving right past and we'll drop you. So, uh, sorry, I am late. Um, okay, so how are you guys? You guys are doing good. How is DTS thus far? Yeah, why don't you give me like um, a couple from different people, maybe like 
one or two different highlights. It's okay. You can even like tape it closed with that one right there. And then, yeah, and then I'll use, yeah, like that. And then I'll use that piece to open it. Um, so a couple of highlights from you guys from DTS so far. All right, why don't we do this, okay? I know it's the afternoon. I'm supposed to be like content guy, I think, like Bible study, teaching you methods of how to study and all of that kind of stuff right after lunch is challenging. So I'm going to try and keep it alive, why don't we quickly, we'll start over here. I'd like to hear your name and where you're from and your favorite food, but quickly, okay? All right, well, so uh, we're not quite finished. I want to know how DTS is changing your life so far. It's been like eight or nine days. Who wants to go? What? Oh, okay. My name is Mike Brown. Uh, I'm originally from Northern California place called Petaluma. You can always remember that because you can pet a dog and you can pet a cat, but you can't pet a Luma. <laughs> so awesome. That was the best laugh I've ever had on that joke, perhaps. <laughs> so good. Okay. Sorry. We're going to have so much fun, you guys. This is going to be the best. Um, um, okay, track with me. So that's Northern California. My favorite food could potentially be uh, a dish called kimchi chige, which is, yeah, it's Korean. I love it. There is this great Korean restaurant here. I went on outreach this last fall. It went away while I was gone. It was a really sad day. So, um, yeah, so good. Um, but I really love food. I love all kinds of food. Love cooking food. Food's just a good thing from the Lord. Um, all right, so things that you guys are, how is DTS? Talk, I just want to get to know you guys a little bit. Today's teaching is going to be pretty uh, pretty basic. And then um, I'm going to let you go and we'll really pick up actually studying the Bible next week. I mean, we're going to look at how to study the Bible. but um, And then we'll study the Bible next week. <laughs> okay. Great. Awesome. It was last week, you guys, what was it was your week on hearing God's voice or this week? Awesome. Who's teaching? Oh, Gava's here. <laughs> good. That's good. Great. Cool. <laughs> All right, somebody else. So good. Lordship. He's the boss. Really good. Somebody else, yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's awesome. Awesome. That is a good thing. I love that. Anybody else? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. In order to know yourself, you need to know who God is. It's really good. Come on, you guys. So good. Well, I just want to I just want to encourage you guys and let you know um, that I believe that because you're here, God's going to move radically in your life. And um, I just want to say well done for coming. I know that it's uh, it's unique. 
and of 7 billion people in the world plus, um, you guys are here to say, God, I want to get to know you better. And I believe with all my heart that God honors that. And so get ready, position yourself in a stance of faith because he wants to meet with you in ways you've probably never experienced before. Um, and it's that's such a good thing, you know. So, so good. I, I have the privilege lately of getting to share in um, several different BTSs and seeing different groups of people. And I spent a little bit of time praying for you guys. And I forgot uh, how female-dominated you guys are. I, I remember Marco told me, and then I forgot about it until I got in here. I was like, where are the guys? <laughs> there they are. <laughs> like, um, But um, I just think the Lord is going to meet with you, every person in here in a really special way. And um, I just want to give you permission to hope, permission to dream, permission to believe for things that potentially could leave you disappointed. Does that make sense? Like to believe that God wants to do radical things in you and through you. Because he does. He really does. So um, I'm going to teach on the Bible, but I'm going to tell you guys this. And um, somehow I got I got tagged a little while back, a couple years ago maybe, as like the Bible guy, but um, uh, which is awesome. I love the Bible. <laughs> that's it's like a privilege. Like I love that tag. Um, but I will tell you this: first and foremost in my life is that I would have a deep, alive, thriving relationship with the man Jesus. And I just, I just want you guys to know, like, um, this book is alive, and it's going to point you to a living relationship with a living God. It's not a book of just principles or rules. It is a gateway into hearing from the living God who loves us, who's more committed to us being who we're called to be than we are at getting to be who we're called to be. And that's what this book is going to, it leads us into. And if I could encourage you one thing, love this, (laughs) love this book, love it and put it inside of you. It will never lead you wrong. I don't care where you go or what you do after these six months, you put this inside you and it will never lead you wrong. Okay. Awesome. Why don't we, um, can we just do this? Because as we study, really, this is the goal, you guys. Um, Holy Spirit is our teacher, and um, he's with us always. And, and without him, we're, I'm pitiful. <laughs> it's just not going to go very far or sink in very deep. And um, so I just lean heavy on who he is, and I trust that you guys all do the same as well. And that he's going to reveal truth to each one of us as we continue to seek him throughout our lives. Amen? And so can we all just stand up together? Um, and what I want to do is... Um, I just want, to, I want us to put our attention on Jesus and say, God, every Monday afternoon, not just today, every Monday afternoon, would you, would you meet with me? Would you show me who you are through your word? Um, I don't care where you come from or what scenario you might be in or what circumstances you've come out of. God wants to meet with you. You guys are amazing. And his, his love for you is beyond anything you could ever imagine. And the more you bring that from your head, where you probably most of you have been told most of your lives that, the more you bring it down to here, the more fulfilling your life is going to be all the days of your life. So um, here's what I here's what I just felt like. I just kind of need this. There's a lot going on right now for for me, just on different levels. And um, I just want to, we're just going to wait just a second because we're not in a hurry. And Holy Spirit, we need you. 
I don't want anything that I do in my life to be just arbitrary things. everything to be in line with the purpose that you've given my life. I pray that over every person in this room. Reveal your will to us, God, as we study your word. That's what I I wanted to do. I hope this is okay. Um, I just want us to sing this simple song together. It's to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we're going to sing this song. If you know it, you can um, you can sing with me. Don't worry about anyone around you or how well your voice sounds. I just don't care about that. Let's just put our eyes on Jesus. And let's worship him. If you know this, you can just join with me. I love you, Lord. And... First and foremost, God, we're here to meet with you, and I am just not in a hurry. Sing it just one more time. Let it be. God, forbid that we ever do anything in our lives outside of your presence or think that it's removing us this separation between the sacred and the secular. Whether we're having lunch or trying to buy a house or in a Bible school classroom. I want everything that we're doing to be driven from the place of your presence. I know that you're with us, and I just thank you right now, God, that you are with us. I just welcome you to be in this place and do whatever you want to do. We're just going to learn <laughs> method on how to study your word. We want your Holy Spirit involved in that. Amen. Amen. You guys can sit down. Um, I have this, just this, um, I have this story I want to give to you guys as I as I start out. And then I really am going to transition, so I'm going to move really fast. I'm going to get us through some content and get you guys out of here um, by 2.30 at the latest, okay? Is that okay? But here's just um, a story I want to give you guys um, that really moved my life. And I really feel like even as you guys are getting started into DTS, that um, I, I just believe that in our generation, 
that there is a rising hunger. And I've been in YWAM for 10 years now, and I've, I've traveled the world. I spent four years living in Asia. Um, I've had the privilege of teaching the Bible all over the world and, um, and being a part of discipleship and, and you know, working with DTSs and things like that. And I'll tell you this, the last few years... I have seen hunger in in this generation I've not seen before. And it gets me excited. It gets me excited. Who are you? And I just want to unleash it. I want you to know, like, you are free to be a little crazy. You're free to make mistakes. Marco, clean up after you, okay? (laughs) But it, it is... Guys, there is a a spiritual stronghold over our generation, and this is what it says to you. And we've got to rip that thing off and be who God's called us to be. We live in unparalleled times. We live in radical times. I believe history books are going to look back and go, this generation, there's something special. Just like Jonathan Edwards' generation or John Wesley's generation or Paul's generation. <laughs> but a certain level of that is up to you. And, and up to how much you're willing to say, I will drive with the hunger that is in my heart. And I don't care what the person sitting next to me says. I don't care what the guy down on the street says. This is true. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And the only one that can stop me is me. If you can get that little bit of fire in there, we could change the world. I just spent all last week with our Awaken crew. And that was the big, we were talking about hearing God's voice, but man, that was the cry in my heart. I said, guys, if we can get this collectively as a generation, nothing can stop us. And here's the story that just moved me, and I've been sharing it with with different groups, but I'll share it quickly with you guys. I was reading a biography um, on a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. Anyone ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He's got a relatively controversial ministry. He's long dead now, but um, he was one of the most radical, had one of the most radical healing ministries in the last hundred or so years um, to, the, to the point where like, and this is why he's controversial. He did things that were weird. People come in dying of cancer. This is a hundred years ago. So, you know, medicine is not what it is today. And he'd walk up to them. He wouldn't, they go, this guy's dying. You know, he's got cancer. He'd say, where is it? And he's got like this tumor, you know, like, and, um, and so Smith doesn't pray for him. He doesn't do anything. He walks up to him. He goes, Bam! And he punches it. The guy falls down. Everyone around him is like, you just killed him. Like, he's dead. He goes, no, no, he's healed. And a few minutes later, the guy gets up without his tumor, runs around the church totally healed. He, he's, he's, and that's controversial. I'm not telling you guys to do that, you know? Like, don't walk up to somebody with that unless you have a very, very clear word of the Lord and punch somebody's tumor. Like, that's serious, you know? Another thing he was known or, or, or was uh, tagged with um, that is <laughs> obviously a little rough is um, it's said that he drop-kicked a dead infant off the stage and brought it back to life. Um, yeah, a little weird. Um, but you know what? I'll tell you guys this. God might be a little more weird than you think. Might be a little more weird than you think. And as we look through the Bible, I want you to start looking for things that perhaps you haven't seen. Now, I'll give you just one, two very simple examples, then we have to get into this. I'll tell you these two examples, my, my, my story that I hope will drive you toward being hungry for God. And then we're going to talk about how to study the Bible, okay? Um, so my two examples are this, Jesus, um, as far as God might be a little weirder than you might think. Jesus, I want you to picture this, you're walking downtown down by the water, and you run into a blind guy. He's tapping his stick, you know, walking along. And you're like, hey, you stop him now. Or or this is the scenario in the Bible. The guy recognizes that Jesus is around and that he's the guy that heals people. So he walks up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, and he's calling out to him. And he says, what do you want? Jesus says, what do you want? He's like, uh, 
to be healed. So this is what Jesus, now this is what would make sense. Like, oh, that's a great scenario, right? Like that happened to us. We'd be like, great, let's lay our hands on and pray. I'd recommend that. That's a good idea. That's not what he does though. Jesus does this. And this guy's blind, okay? Like, uh... And then Jesus bends down. He doesn't know what he's doing. The guy's blind. And he gets the mud in his hands. And then he puts this mud in the guy's face. And the guy's like, oh, what is that? You know, like, can you imagine Jesus? Like, what is that? You know, like, guess. You know, like, what? what I don't know what it was. And then he says this to the guy. Then he says this. He doesn't even heal him right there. Everybody's watching. He doesn't even heal him. He goes, okay, go, go away. Go wash in this pool. That's a little ways away. Everybody's like, that was so awkward. You know what I mean? Like, and then this guy's tapping away with spit mud in his face. The loogie on his eyes. Blind. And he goes and he washes and then he's healed. It's a real story. That's weird. Or how about this? Let's say Jesus is Jesus. So it's hard for me to take that. Ex- I mean, his example is the perfect example. But I always come back to this one little hiccup where I'm like, he's God. Like, uh, give me somebody that's not God that's weird. Okay, Paul. Paul's preaching through the night. I always take comfort by this. Sometimes I preach and it's boring. And I'm like, dang it, I bet Paul wasn't boring. I think once he was. <laughs> He's preaching late into the night and this young guy sitting in the second story window falls asleep while Paul's preaching. Falls out the second story window. And they pick him up dead on the street. Now, before I came to YWAM, I was an EMT. It's an emergency medical technician. Um, pretty much they are the slave to the real paramedic that's on the back of an ambulance, right? So our joke was always, we know enough to tell you you've got a problem. We could look at you and be like, oh, yeah, like you need help. And they'd be like, help me. I'd be like, I don't know how. You know, <laughs> like I know enough to tell, know that there's something wrong, but I don't know enough to actually help you. I'm like, let me go get the real doctor, you know. <laughs> so, but I was an EMT. Now, this is what I do know. If someone falls out of a second story window and they die, that's probably messy. Probably fell out on his head or something. And it's probably messy. Otherwise, you wouldn't have died. So Paul's like, oh, heck no, not in the middle of my sermon. So he puts his mic down. And he runs downstairs. And this is what, as an EMT, I I could tell you this. Don't do this. Don't look at the messy, bloody corpse and lay on it. That's not the right thing. You look at Paul in Acts. He goes down. He lays on the guy. Prays for him, mouth to mouth, hands to hands, like, what? Picks him up alive, and everyone's greatly encouraged. He runs back upstairs and finishes preaching through the night. What? That is weird. That's the guy you follow. Not Paul, Jesus. (laughs) So if you are feeling like you're being stretched here a little bit, good you feel like i don't know what i think about ministry night and some of the stuff that's happening or people falling over i'm not sure what i think of it either that's okay we don't have to stop and if you're hungry for truly god you can get past some of those offenses So that he can really get in. God is not afraid to offend your mind. To reveal what's really in your heart. Okay. So my story about hunger. And then we're just going to do this real fast. Okay. Guy named Smith Wigglesworth. He he was, you know, he was a simple guy. He was a plumber. He um, didn't know how to read until he was an adult. His wife taught him how to read. Um, He's just a very simple guy. Well, after some of the healing stuff started happening, people started flying him around um, or taking him around to different places uh, to do ministry. And um, he ex- traveled the world extensively later in his life. Um, but he uh, went to New York once 
and they, you know, he's running these healing conferences. And then as like on your day off, you guys will learn about days off on your outreach. You get a day off and, um, and you go do stuff fun and check out the sites. Well, Smith Wigglesworth on his day off went to Niagara Falls, which is awesome. So he goes and he's standing by the ledge where you look out at the falls, you know, and, um, and the guys that went with him, when he got there, he walked by himself up to the edge of the ledge and then um, they saw him from, you know, they're standing behind him. They saw him lift his hands up like this. And so one of the guys that took him there walked up beside him, and they were going to ask him, do you like it? You know, like, and as they walked up beside him, they kind of looked at him as he stands on the ledge, you know, with his hands up like this. And he had his eyes open like in amazement, you know, and tears were streaming down his face. And he was praying out loud this prayer like that as he looked at the falls, like that in me, my God. 600,000 cubic gallons of water rush over Niagara Falls every minute. And he's looking at it. This is a guy who punches cancer and it falls off. And he's weeping, going, like that in me. Put this river of life in me. I'm hungry for you, God. And so... This has nothing to do with me teaching you Bible um, method for studying the Bible. But I will tell you guys this. For 10 years, I've given my life to seeing that our generation would, would rise up and bomb the earth with the love of God. And the passion to see that happen is only growing in me. But there's big pieces of it that I can't, that you have to own and do. And if it's in you, I just want to encourage you. I need you. Marco, need, we need you to let it out. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Let hunger drive you to study this, not just to study it, but to believe what it says. And then to do it, ah, let it drive you to do things you wouldn't normally do on your own. I challenge you in these next six months, embarrass yourself for God, not for your own kicks and giggles. And be willing to embarrass yourself for God. Watch how he lifts you up. Amen. All right, I got to stop preaching or Mark is going to be like, that's not why I brought you in here. Um, Put this inside of you, okay? Wake up early. Stay up late. I know you're busy in DTS. You do have time. Don't just read it. Read it like a kid who's told, you know how Skittles are made? Some big guy sits on a rainbow and then Skittles pop out. And the little kid's like, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, they're not not like us. They're not like us going, yeah, right. Don't read the Bible like that. Yeah, right. Read the Bible like, wait, Skittles pop out of rainbows? Whoa. That's awesome. And when you see lame people in the Bible stand up and you see miracles and you see, you see the love of God revealed to people and you see salvation that saves people for eternity, don't go, I don't see it. Go, whoa, show me God, show me. And he will. Okay, I'm. I am so done. Um, um, so we're going to talk about how to study the Bible. You guys okay? Sorry, I just feel. I just feel so. This is not always normal for me, but I just feel like the Lord just wants you guys to know that you are, like, I don't know if it's because I prayed for you guys a bit or what, but like, you guys can change the world. <laughs> Okay, so here's my quote for you guys. If all we have is the spirit without the word, 
you'll blow up. If all you have is the word without the spirit, you'll dry up. But if you have both the word and the spirit, you'll grow up. And that's what we want, spiritual maturity, okay? The spirit without the word, you'll blow up. I don't know if you've ever met people like that. They're not very grounded in truth, I guess. And and they do stuff like, <laughs> I mean, it's like another level weird, you know, like, what does this have to do with anything, you know? And and then you have other people who are very, like, scholarly, but they neglect the Spirit of God, and their life is very dry. But if you have both, oh, man, we'll grow up into maturity. See the world around us impacted by the truth of God and the power of God. One without the other is like giving somebody a counterfeit coin. Just one, it's like one half of the coin, the other side's blank. We need this, the truth of God and the spirit of God in one. They go together. Okay? We want to be grown up. All right, somebody open their Bible. First person who opens their Bible and reads this to me, I will give you a hundred grand. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Okay? Hebrews 4.12. Somebody open it up and read it. First one to do it. I feel like you guys don't even believe me. Come on, James, I like it. Right nice and loud from the beginning. Yep. Perfect. Good to see what I did here. It's a hundred grand, bro. Okay. All right. So it says the word of God is living and acting active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword and it divides between like soul and spirit. It helps discern the intentions of your heart. That's what this book does. Okay. I don't have a double-edged sword, but I, um, I do, I did bring this kitchen knife with me. Okay. So somebody tell me, don't give me spiritual answers just for a minute. Okay. What is this good for using to be used? What? Cutting food, chopping. What, what's it good? What, what do you mean people? What do you mean people? It's good for stabbing. Okay. Yeah, you definitely could use it for that. What else? What else? Pretend it's like a double-edged sword. Fighting, chopping off people's heads. Oh, dragon's heads. I mean, if they were dragons, I guess. Komodo dragons, maybe. Um, all right. Yeah? Guys, what if you're like, dudes, I know there's not that many of us, but like, what if you're like lost in the forest somewhere, you know? What do you want? A knife, you know? You could like build a fort with this or like, you know, make a spear, go bear hunting or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's good for so much, right? But let's pretend I don't know how to use it or what it is even. I don't know how to properly use this. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And I do this. Is that good? No. Or how about I'm like this? Kind of feels like a stick. Here, catch. <laughs> right? So here, here's, here's what I, this is my whole point. When it says this, the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword and is useful for you. You need to learn how to use it. Guys, there are major Christian cults out there that have strayed from the truth of the gospel and they've done it using this book inappropriately. They've done it using this book like this. And that is damaging to themselves and to others. You must learn how to use your sword. Amen? All right. Okay. So, um... All righty. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to skip my testimony for now. Some pieces of it I was going to share with you guys, but I hope you guys already have my heart for what I want and, and all of that. So we're just going to skip right into it. Marco, can you help me? Um, um, there are two primary ways of studying the Bible. 
and the first one is called the deductive way. Now, understand this. Reading the Bible deductively is not a bad thing at all, okay? The deductive method of the Bible is where we find different verses or things like that like on a topic and we'll find like verses in 12 different books and we'll find 26 verses that all talk about hearing God's voice, right? And then we pull those verses out and we use them to, to help build the points and whatever that we want to talk about or believe, right? Now this is dangerous when you study. It's not dangerous to read the Bible this way. It's great. But when you study, the reason this is dangerous is because sometimes what we will do is we'll have an idea in our mind about what we want. We'll say, oh, God hates striving. So then what we do is we find verses that have to do with that and we we build a theology, our own idea, and we go, God hates striving. And here's why, this verse and this verse. But they're not in their context and we don't understand it. Truly, what's being, what's trying to be communicated to us. Does that make sense? So it literally is like we do this, okay? Like this is a novel. It's a really good novel, by the way, if you haven't read it. But if I were to do, if I were to come to you guys and be like, guys, this is the best book ever. Like it's so good. Check this out. Check this out. You're going to love this book. In May 1991, a season of strong persecution again came up upon the house churches. Oh, isn't that awesome? Like that's crazy, right? So crazy. And you're like, what? What is that book about? What? I don't know what you're talking about. But guys, so often that's what we do with the Bible. We flip it open, we read one or two verses, and then we go, wow, that's amazing. That is okay if you're looking for, like to go through the Psalms that way, to, to just be encouraged in, in your walk with Jesus. But if you're going to study to build your belief, which we built on this book, on the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and this book. That's what our faith is built on. If you're going to build your faith looking at it that way, you may come up with some interesting theologies. And I love using the striving one because in the West, we are taught striving is, ugh, don't strive, right? Have you guys heard that? Striving's bad, all these things. I, I'm, it's getting better, actually. I feel like over the last years, people are like, no, no, not really. This, I'm glad because the reality is this. There's one thing that we don't strive for. Strive means to exert excessive amounts of energy, to fight for something, to go after it. Does that, does that make sense? You don't do that with your salvation. It's a free gift. It was given to you. You can't earn it. Everything else in your Christian life, fight hard for. Paul says he works harder than anyone else. <laughs> At the things he does. And then the New Testament says this. Strive in prayer. Strive for unity with one another. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Which is an interesting one. You are told to strive. But because for so long we've been told, don't strive for your salvation. We don't know our identity. We've taken this idea and we say striving by itself is bad. And do you know what it's doing? It's producing lazy passive Christians because you're not supposed to strive for anything. Am I making sense? If we study the Bible in its context appropriately, what we do is we allow the Bible to speak to us and tell us what to believe. Okay, and when that happens, then we get an accurate understanding of what God's trying to do. We apply that into our lives, and you will see the kingdom of God played out in your life in the 21st century. Amen? All right, Marco, you can put those down. Um, thank you so much. The second way that we study the Bible is called the inductive method. Okay. These are primary. There are other ways, meditation and memorization, and these are forms of study and they are amazing. I am going to talk to you guys about something called the inductive method, and I'm going to walk you through, um, a couple of books over the next several weeks. Okay. Um, so the inductive method very simply has three steps. Okay. Marco, can you come up here and help me again? All right, everybody, everybody stand up, okay? 
So here's the first step of, you can open that guy up and tape it up for me. The first step of Bible, of the inductive method is called observation. We want to observe what the text in the Bible says. Does that make sense? If you guys have questions, please ask me. I'm going to go super quick because we have about 10 minutes left and then I'm getting you out of here. So observation, everybody's going to do this. I want you to memorize this. Observation means looking, like looking to observe it, right? Look at it. So everybody do this. Make binoculars. Put them up to your eyes like this. Okay, this is, this is something I've learned in, uh, in uh, uh, some stuff to do with learning styles. The more modalities I incorporate, the better chance you're going to remember, okay? So whether you hear it, see it, do it, say it, it's a different, form, different modalities, you will remember the information better, okay? And that's what I care about. I want you to make sure that you know it. Okay, so everyone, binoculars, and you're going to go like this. The first step of the Bible overview is look, look, look. Everybody do it on three. One, two, three. Look, look, look. Perfect. And you are going to look at what the Bible says very simply. You guys can sit down. Okay? This step, I would say, is like the foundation of a house. Okay? And you got to set the foundation solid or as you start to build the house, it will fall down. Okay? So observation is the foundation part of this whole thing. All right. I need six volunteers. Okay, one, stand up. Two, three, four, five, and six. Yeah. Um, okay, I take one of these. Okay, these pieces of a picture here are... Oh, I need one more volunteer. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so what you guys are going to do is actually come together really quick. These are blown-up portions of one photo. I need you guys to come together and tell me what this photo is, the big picture of this photo, okay? What, tell everybody what you guys have got there. What have you got? A big red blob, Okay. A face, a fox, an owl. Okay, do you guys know what the big picture picture is? There is none? No, there is one. You guys ready to give up? Let me just show you. It's a horse and boy. You find every one of your pieces in there because we blew them up and pulled them out. You see what I did there? I tricked you. Sorry. (laughs) But this is the point. There are so many important things to look at inside of scripture that are like small pictures and they make sense and they're true. But if you don't take a step back and look at the big picture of what it's saying, you might miss the whole point. So when you're studying the Bible, you have to take a couple of steps back and look at the big picture and go, what is this saying holistically And then maybe next week, I'll dig into this one verse that talks about something super deep and intercession and prayer and changing nations, and I'll start pulling things out of that. But first, I want to know the context of what he's saying, to who he's saying it, and on and on. That make sense? Great. So you need to look at the big picture. Observe what is written in your Bible. Hooah! Okay, says group of girls. That's okay. It's totally okay. It's like a Marine saying. They're like, Hoo-ah! instead of saying like amen or something like that. Okay, um, so um, everybody close your eyes. No cheating. Close your eyes. Close them, close them, close them. Okay, now don't open your eyes. I want you to tell me. Uh, I want you to think about right now. You don't, we don't have time to tell me this, but the person sitting next, don't look at them. The person sitting next to you, what color is their shirt? Don't open your eyes. Are they wearing a watch? Okay. No opening your eyes. Okay. Um, do they have shoes or sandals on? Do they, do they wear glasses? Are their ears pierced? What color is their eyes? Are their eyes? All right, that's good, you guys. That's pretty good. But here's my point. Sometimes we miss very basic things that we would never think to really stop and look. Now, look at your neighbor and look at them kind of with new eyes looking for these different things, okay? How many of you got every question right? 
Nice. Okay, that, guys, this is good observation, okay? But I'll tell you this. Most of us didn't, and I'm so like that. I would not have gotten it right because when I look at people or a group, I, t- I just take everything in just passively. And then if I'm told to close my eyes and go, what's Marco wearing? I literally can't tell you right now. I'm like, I've just looked at him like eight times today. I don't know what color his shirt is. Y- y- like, really, <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's black. I might have guessed that. <laughs> Does that make sense? We need, when we look at the Bible, we look with intentional eyes saying, God, what do you want to point out to me that perhaps I've never seen? There is no end to the things that God could show you in Scripture. But to, do, to, to dig it out, to mine the gold out of Scripture, you have to look. Diligently look. Amen? All right. So this is the first step of observation, and it is such an important step. I'll, I'll tell you guys really quick. I, I so wanted the gift of prophecy for many years, and I thought maybe I just didn't have that gift. And then I read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, th- 12. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I, I read the last verse in that chapter, and it says, Eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that you might prophesy. And I'd read that book over and over and over again, honestly. But I never really computed the idea that if Paul is telling me, eagerly desire it, it must be possible that I could get it. And it literally surged life into me when I realized, all I did was look at it. And I realized it's possible that I could walk in the gift of prophecy. And I've been going after that gift ever since that on a whole new level. And now I'm beginning to see the fruit of that in my life on levels that I never thought were possible. It all started with me recognizing in Scripture, this is possible and I can do it. All right, this is observation. Number two is interpretation. Everybody stand up. <clears throat> interpretation. All right, um, first is observation. And when we say observation, what do we, how do we, what is it? Looking. So on three, let's do it. Ready? One, two, three. All right, great. Interpretation is asking, why does the text say what it says? So this is what we're going to do, okay? Put your hands out like this. And you're going to go like this. Why, why, why? Okay. Trust me, you guys are going to remember this. Don't worry. It's good for, it's good for us. All right. We're going to become as children. It's all right. all right. On three, we're going to do it like we love it, okay? Why, why, why? Ready? One, two, three. Why, why, why? All right. From the first step, observation. One, two, three. Look, look, look. Interpretation. Why, why, why? Good. You're going to ask. You can sit down. You're going to ask, why does the text say what it says? You have to remember. You Guys, you have to remember. The Bible is not written to you. It never was. The Bible is written for you and I. It was written to many different people, cities, and even nations over the course of 1,500 years in multiple languages by more than 40 authors. Did you guys know that? How many books? All right, a little bit of Bible trivia for some candy here. We're going to end here really soon. All right, how... Many books are in the Bible. So raise your hand. Nope. Okay. I'm going to raise your hand. I haven't heard a right answer yet. So right here. 66 books are in the Bible. Very good. How many of them are Old Testament books? Raise your hand. Oh, raise your hand. <laughs> so I can call on you. Yeah. Uh, Old Testament. Nope. Nope. What? 39. That's right, because there's 27 in the New Testament. If you just do a little simple math there, you find out 39, 27 equals 66. Alrighty. Okay, so I already told you approximately 40 authors. There, the, the Bible is written in how many, originally written in how many different languages? Who knows? Yeah, right here. Okay, that's right, but that's uh, not complete. James. Yeah, what's the third? You say Greek and Hebrew, which is the primary. 
Come on, just guess. I think you got it. Yeah, it is. I'm going to just give you, I asked you how many, it's three. Okay, I'm going to give you one too because you are so right on. Arabic, uh, parts of Daniel, parts of Ezekiel, and one verse in Jeremiah are written in Arabic. Okay? Um, yeah, great question. Because Daniel is written while he's in exile in Babylon, they actually spoke Arabic. So parts of it are written in his native Hebrew language. Other parts of it are written in Arabic, which he obviously learned to speak and write. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to just give you guys these because we're running out of time. Oh, no. Let me ask you one more. How many continents was the Bible written on? Yeah. Three continents. And which ones are they? Asia. Africa, that's right, Egypt, and Europe. Come on, New Testament. There you go. Very good. All righty. So here's kind of the deal, guys. When we look at interpretation, for me, this is like uh, I, oh, I just, like have a gift of losing pens. Ah, I see it. Um, so once we have our foundation, then the second step here is going to actually be interpretation. It's like putting structure to the house. You get to form of it. You know what it looks like. You can see the rooms. You're like, oh, this is what it means, okay? And then I'll just tell you right now, um, application is the third step. We're going to get to this in just a second. But this is what makes the house livable, okay? You've got your door and your window and your plants and everything, and the house is actually livable, okay? This is just my own little analogy. It helped me. I was like, okay, this makes sense. We observe the Bible. It's the foundation. You look, 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 and it sometimes cannot, can feel not that exciting. Because you're like, I'm just laying foundation. Hey, look, I spent three weeks. What do you have? A cement slab. You know, like, but it's important. That step is important. Next, you get the structure. This is what it looks like, what it's going to be like. And then finally, we're applying it to our lives. Application. And that makes it livable for you and I. When we apply it to our lives, right? Marco, can you come open this guy up for me? Um one thing, you guys, that was always, like, um, challenging for me. Marco, can I have five minutes? And then I'll close. All right, five minutes. Sorry, guys. Um, I uh, always looked at the Bible like this. What do you guys see? A sailor. Is he young or old? Old. Very few people see the opposite first. That's really awesome. Okay. Most people see a old sailor, right? And this is how I saw the word of God, kind of old and dry, and it felt a little irrelevant. Until, you know what changed? My perception of it. When my perception of it changed and I understood it was the living word of God, the photo didn't change. What was there didn't change, but my understanding of it changed. And it became young and relevant and applied to my life, right? Very handsome here. Huh? Do you guys see that? Did you see, you saw the guy upside down first. You, you never saw it the other way. That's so great. That's awesome. I like that. It's like old. Hey, let me help you. There's a nose. I. I is the axe. You got him now? And then this way. You're, you're one of very few people who, who will see it like that. That's awesome. Okay? But this is what happened, okay? But in order for me to get it from here to here, there had to be a step of interpreting what it means. This is where we're asking, why did the author say this? Why did he say this? So like in, in, in Ephesians, a quick example would be Paul says, you know, Jesus is the name above every name. He's over and above everything. He's awesome. He says this. He's the name above every names, which is like, what does that mean? In whom we will be saved. Because he's writing to these people in, in a city called Ephesus. We might actually look into this book later in the quarter, but but he's writing to these guys and they believed in all of these prints of the power of the air, all of these spirits. They also believed that if you could name a spirit, you could control it. And so they wanted to know names of different spirits so they could command those spirits to do things for them. So Paul's writing and we look at that and we go, oh, the name above every name is cool. That sounds nice. It's almost poetic. No, it wasn't. He's saying, look. You believe you can name all these names and these different spirits will submit to you and whatever. He goes, this is the name above every name, the only name that matters. His name's Jesus. To the Ephesians, they would look at that and go, whoa, if that's true, 
and I know his name and he's accessible to me, I don't need all these other gods. Which is exactly what Paul is trying to do, is to get them to rid themselves of their idolatry and turn to the living God, right? It actually makes sense. But when you, you have to understand what's going on in their time, in their place, in their culture. Does that make sense? It very simil- it, it's like this, guys. It, it is, it's, the, it's these three mountains, okay? And we've got, we've got time. Um, let's just go place, okay, and culture. All right, time, place, culture. And what we want to do is we first want to understand what it meant to the original people, right? These guys kind of look like old school Bible people, right? Right? We need to understand what it meant to them in there. Too often we read it and we go straight to here. What does it mean to me? What does this mean? First, you've got to go back. Remember, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. That makes a big change. It was written to a different place, primarily the Middle East, Europe, Israel, you know? That makes a difference. Things are done differently over there. You just ask people who are not from the States. You guys have quite a few of them. We do things that even the Westerners, the Europeans, they're like, America's different. <laughs> they speak great English, and, but guys, they come from a different culture. And they do things differently. They think things a little differently. We've got to understand that. And so culture as well plays a huge role. We have to understand their way of... So if I said this to you, how many people understand what I mean? You guys are the bomb. Who understands what I mean? What do I mean? What do I mean? You're really cool. Yeah. You go back 200 years and say that to a group, they have no idea what you mean. You're the bomb? Yeah. What is the bomb? Like that does, I, don't, I don't think that's a proper sentence. You are the bomb. What? Do you know what I mean? Because language changes over time. And our culture changes it. You know what I mean? Google got a new definition after the internet made Google as a search engine. Before that, it is the number one with a hundred zeros behind it. That's what a Google is. Had no other meaning until Google redefined what Google means, which is now to search something. Does that make sense? You got to get back there and know what they what they meant, and then once you've got that, once you can understand that, then you can bring it forward to our time, our place, our culture, and go. This is what it means. I'm going to give you one example, and we're going to close. Sound good? Alrighty. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 16, verse 16. This, you guys, is the goal. Okay, I wish I had more tape accessible. We got to get it here. The other steps are very, very important, but we've got to bring Bible study to application. If you, if you don't do what the Bible says, it is worthless. Does that make sense? You guys with me? The goal is to get to application. We've got to apply it to our lives. All right, somebody read Romans sixteen sixteen. Read it again, nice and loud. Here you go. You don't want it. Okay. Okay. You ask and you will receive. Uh, read it again, nice and loud. Okay, so is that a suggestion or a command? What would you define that as, reading it? It's a command, right? It's a command. Okay, I walked in here. I didn't get any holy kisses. So are you guys disobedient to the word of God? No, why not? Because it's not our culture. What culture is it? Their culture. Whose culture? What's the name of the book? Romans. Who's it written to? Romans. Where do the Romans live? In Rome? Where is Rome? Italy. Have you guys ever met Italians? I mean, 2,000 years ago would have made a difference, but I met Italians. Vito! You know, like, that's what they do. I love Italians. I have some Italian friends. Okay? Right? Does that make sense? So Paul doesn't write this to every book. You won't find it in every book. But when he writes to the Romans, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Because if you don't, that would be like me walking in here to Marco and being like, I'm going to start teaching now. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that was rude. You know, like, isn't he the boss? Like, 
does that make sense? What I would do is I would, okay, let me ask you. Put this, interpret it for our day and age so that you could say this is greeting someone with a holy kiss. Can anybody do that? Yeah. Did you guys hear that? That would be a interpretation for our culture, our day, our age. When you go on outreach to different places, you may not be able to do that. If you go to any Muslim nations, guys are not going to shake girls' hands. It's so inappropriate. But here, it's polite to do that. Here you go. Really good. Does that make sense? First, we read it. We just look at what it says. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Then we interpret it based on their place, their time, their culture. And we go, oh, this one's an easy example because, oh, they're Romans. They're in Italy. Like, that's what they do. They greet one another with kisses. But Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Be polite. We could say this in our day and age, show hospitality, be welcoming, smile, (laughs) right? Are you guys with me? And we can interpret what that means to us today based out of understanding the time that they came from, the scenario that they're in, the, the, uh, the political issues that they're going through. Where they stand, are they already Christians? Are they coming from a totally pagan background? How do we know that stuff? We study. We study. All right, any questions? Perfect. Jesus, bless these guys. Give them the best afternoon ever. Thank you, God, for their hunger. Bless them. Amen.